Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, a very tired, now second-time Ironman racer, uh, full-time fitness and out- outdoor adventure writer, and all-around fitness and outdoor lover. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and professional cycling coach. I race my bicycle uh, more professionally now that I'm done with Ironman. I have officially retired but did complete the Ironman. So today we're here to talk about uh, the things that went into it, you know, what we do again, what uh, was the funnest part of doing Ironman and training for Ironman. Uh, And hopefully you'll find some of these ideas useful. We'll also sort of cue into some of the posts that we've put out thus far and will put out uh, both for Molly and myself Um, and hopefully just give you lots of ideas you know whether you're trying to get ready for big mountain bike race or a big running race or you know big olympic you know some of these are sorry olympic lifting contests a lot of these concepts you know are going to apply yeah for sure and I've got to tell you I have never been so happy to be able to record a podcast in my entire life because to record our Iron Man post-mortem episode means that we have in fact completed the freaking Iron Man. Uh, so for those of you who haven't been listening to our intros, we don't blame you. Um, for the past year or so, yeah, about a year, we've been training for Iron Man Canada, which take pl- takes place in Whistler, British Columbia. It has 200 meters of or 2,000 meters of climbing. Sorry, over. The 112-mile bike course, it's a 2.4-mile swim, and of course the end is a full marathon. Um, It's pretty brutal, to be honest, uh, but I'm pretty happy to say that we both finished. We both finished well. We finished in the time we had kind of hoped for. Peter came in around 10.5. I came in around 11.5. So yeah, we were both pretty pleased with our results. I mean, you can go to ironman.com or whatever the site is if you really want to see our splits. I don't think we're going to get super into our own numbers here, but no, I mean a lot of people followed along, which was great and tweeted and Yeah, that yeah, was super that was, nice. That was awesome. It was but... funny when we, you know, we get done, I look at Facebook and we already had a friend that had posted two both... or three friends actually just separately. <laughs> had posted how we finished and how it went. So, yeah, that was, was pretty good. sweet. And I, and I think that leads into our our first point really um you know it takes a lot of people to do a lot of racing generally just as you know it's not it's never just you it takes a lot of support and a lot of generous people um and i don't think iron man's any different it certainly requires a lot of energy and time and you know generosity on a lot of people's uh accounts absolutely and i think normally here's where someone would have to thank their spouse or partner for putting up with them over the course of the year so luckily Peter and I don't have to do that because we had to put up with each other so it sort of balanced out Uh, but we do have a lot of people who we do want to take just a couple seconds here to acknowledge for helping us get through yeah I mean take this as an ad if you will but I think there's a few links in here that might be helpful I mean I was very happy to have my Trek Speed concept which is a you know, um, there's a couple different levels of that, but Trek Toronto, uh, trektoronto.ca was very helpful in getting me set up with a, a bike, which is also obviously an important part. You can't necessarily ride your mountain bike. You could, which I, I which that. I did debate, but you can't. And then, of course, all the other uh, Trek Canada mountain bike sponsors with Scratch, uh, Rika, ESI Grips, and Barfly. The Barfly mount was very handy. Uh, I had the TT one, so it was nice to sort of have that Garmin right front and center when you're leaned over the aero bar. 
Yeah, uh, for me, huge, huge thank you goes to Noon and Cliff Bar. A lot of you have probably read a lot of the stuff that I've written about, whether it was my past Ironman mistakes or my current fueling strategy. And you know that I had some major issues coming into it with not being very good at fueling or hydrating. And part of that was a taste issue. Part of that was just not being in the habit. But thanks to those two awesome companies whose products I've loved for a really long time, it was really easy for me to be able to stay on track of fueling and hydration. So can't thank those guys enough. Um, also, you know, I have to thank the Trek store too. They helped me get my Amanda all set up so it was a little bit more aero and a little bit more Ironman ready versus just being a strict climbing road bike. So they were super rad there. Um, and then as far as other guests we've had on the podcast, and you might want to go back and listen to some of these if you missed them, we had Scott Kelly on from the Dundas Speed Shop and also of Three Rocks uh, Mountain Bike Team fame. Um, and he talked a little bit about fitting and, and sort of what they do at Dundas Speed Shop. They're a service-oriented shop. Um, but we also talked to all things development. So Scott was very generous and sort of got Molly and I just tweaked towards the end of our preparation just to get a little bit more arrow, got those arms in a little narrower and some shorter cranks for me. Never easy to get my arms in. I have very broad shoulders for my smallish frame. Um, and then who else? We had Rich Patey on who went right through the entire Ironman step-by-step for me. And definitely Rich was a big part of my learning to swim. So I think Rick and HealthyResults.ca is his business, so you can look him up if you're in the sort of Orangeville GTA area in Canada. Uh, they do a few camps and clinics. If you go to the website and you're interested in Xterra or Ironman, they do a few camps in Vegas, and I can't recall where their other one is. Uh, I think they do one on the East Coast too. Uh, so definitely look into Rich. Uh, and then also on the swimming front, the Total Immersion folks were very generous. I got into uh, or got a personal session with. Deb, and then also you'll remember Suzanne and Terry. Terry's the sort of founder and inventor of Total Immersion, so they were very, very generous to come onto the show as well, sort of early in that Iron Man process. So that episode, well, both episodes, the Rich and the the Total Immersion, will give you sort of the two poles of swimming theory and, and opinions. But uh, I think both have their place and do some things really well. So I think both are, are very worth listening to if you're curious about swimming at all, even just for, you know, just to go up to the cottage and, and recreate. Yeah, and then just a couple other ones. We just wanted to thank our, our friend Mikey, who runs the VeloFix up in Collingwood. He's been super helpful with helping me keep my bike moving, which is never an easy task, if I'm being totally honest. And our lovely friends Brad and Rachel from Squamish, who own the Mountain Fun Campground out there. If you ever are out in Squamish, I highly recommend checking out their campsite. It is so, so sick. Yeah, and well-placed, close to Whistler and all the mountain bike trails and Sea to Sky Highway. We rode in the triathlon and rock climbing. We had friends uh, in... Actually, Leslie Timms, who was also, also on, on the, the podcast. podcast. We met up with them in Squamish. <laughs> so, I mean, Squamish is an awesome place. So, if you want to go there... Um, it's usually pretty busy there and booked, but if you book ahead, I'm sure you can get in. And I believe shoulder seasons are sort of April and November if you want to sort of squeeze in some fun mountain biking or, or running or any sort of alpine adventure. So without, that's that's lots of thank yous. Thank you to everyone. Um, thank you to those who listened and, and, and endured uh, the, the Ironman concepts if you weren't into that. Again, yeah, hopefully seriously. there's some takeaways there. So. Today we wanted to go through just a couple of quick questions. I don't think this will be super long, but we'll get we'll get through it. We have we're traveling back across the country, so we only have so much time here. We got to go to Chipotle. I'm very for, hungry for a romantic dinner. So if I start getting really grumpy with Peter, it's it's just hunger. Right. So the first question is, what was the best thing about doing Ironman? You know, we joke about being negative, but what was like honestly like what what made it worth it for you? I don't think either of us regret the decision to do it, but what made it worth it? 
Uh, you know, I actually just had a couple times, as lame as it sounds, like when we were driving towards the start, or even like when I was in the like in the run in the bike, where I'd get like the best song caught in my head and realize that like, oh, like I feel fine. I'm gonna finish this and I'm gonna finish it well, and just get this like stupid grin on my face. Uh, and then even during the swim, just realizing that I was feeling probably the best I've ever felt in a triathlon swim, which says a lot because normally I have like a few panicky moments, but we hit the water and it was just like smooth sailing. So I'm so thankful that it went that way. And I think that's because we finally did a lot of open water swimming, which I've never done in training before. Yeah. Yeah. And that definitely, I enjoyed the open water swimming and got to the point where that was, I think for me, the funnest part of the race was the open water. And I was pretty scared. Molly just left me. We wa- I, we I would like to she said, peace out, homie. And just like left. And I think I did just say see ya and yeah. then walked and yeah. like dove I under. Like, okay. I guess this got real. Um, you're lucky I didn't just like shove you to the side. So I like, you know, I just released my first of the Iron Man posts and it was a lot about goal setting and sort of looking at rather than just thinking about the big scary goal, sort of thinking about the process and what it's going to give you after. Like what are you taking away from this all this energy and money and expenditure? What are you getting? So do you think that now when you go back and you do your Xterra race or you do a cyclocross race or Paris Dancaster, do you think you're going to be less nervous? You've always battled a bit with the start line nerves and stuff. You know, honestly, I think it's totally different because Ironman is just such a different beast than a lot of other sports because you're you're not just competing to try to finish. Like, I've always been... Compl- or, sorry, you are competing with, like, the intention of, like, oh, crap, can I finish this? I've never worried about finishing Paris to Ancaster or an Terra or something like that. I've usually been pretty confident in my ability to cross the finish line. Um, so I do think it'll have some impact in the sense of like, okay, I finally conquered this stupid monkey on my back because for those of you who don't know, I did Iron Man seven years ago and I finished like, you know, the I am an Iron Man thing, but it was a really crappy run and it was a it was bad, just a pretty sloppy day. It was a sloppy day. Yeah. There were a lot of and mistakes And your time made. wasn't really that good. Jeez. I mean, for a young lady, it wasn't. For a 23 year old, it was decent. <laughs> I guess. I was third in my age group. Bite me. I guess. That's fine. Okay. It wasn't as good as your... your it was your... not as good. It was hours slower, if I'm being totally honest. But someone didn't need to be rude about it. Um, anyway, so getting that monkey off my back has definitely kind of opened it up to, okay, like, I conquered that. Now I can pretty much handle anything. I once actually read in Triathlon Magazine, like, years ago just like an essay from somebody and she was saying during like every hard workout she does she just thinks like I finished Ironman I can go two more minutes and I've thought about that over the years and I think now it's even more like fair and accurate yeah so what about you um I think for me it was the chance to be a beginner it was a lot of newness right so I think whenever you're new at something it's usually it's easier in some ways right like it's it's more motivating you know in swimming every time I went I swam further or faster or you know felt more comfortable um get learning that whole skill of swimming to me was like it was a big hole in sort of my movement uh quiver your consummate athlete yeah lifestyle yeah and so I mean it's it's the the training for swimming and just the act of swimming I think opens up a lot of activities a lot of options for movement you know in the winter in Canada there's only so many things you can do you know even just right now it's raining a ton in Ontario 
you know, and I am a type of person where the movement is very important. Like I would be quite a basket case if, and I get really grumpy when we're driving across the, the country and we can't do, you know, walks throughout the day and I can't go ride. And so for me, just having more movement options, you know, especially as we go into old age and stuff, I think that was just a big win. Um, and I think the only other thing that we sort of built into this whole thing, if you look back, you know, in August, I think of last year, you were writing about how we had these big plans for August. And so we've been sort of scheming this, road trip we're sort of on our way back in a convoluted fashion right now but we've been able to connect with a lot of friends and you know we went mountain bike nationals in canmore then out to whistler and sort of you know like we say stayed with our friends in squamish visited a few people in squamish did the race you know and then stayed in squamish for another day or two then we went over to rosland and then to fernie and now we're sort of headed back and so we were able to connect with a lot of people that we don't get to see as much as we'd like because they live out on the other side of the the country um, and again, just chaining that with mountain bike nationals, you know, sort of an interesting challenge. So I think the fact that we had this big, crazy goal, but it involved learning how to swim, you know, a bit of endurance training together, but then also all this like fun sort of stuff around it and after it, especially, I think that for me was the, the best part was just, it gave us an excuse almost to go out West. Hey everybody, we're back and it is donor drive time. We did this last August. This is our second year with the Wide Angle Podium Network. So it's time to help the network keep growing. Yeah, it's always, uh, you know, tough reaching out, but uh, that's the nature of a lot of the media these days is it's sort of, you know, supported by the listeners, you know, rather than just paying for a cable package or something like that. You know, you're putting money towards shows that you're listening. So hopefully you've checked out uh, all that Wide Angle Podium has to offer. It's a lot of cycling content, but they're slowly branching out. And obviously we are leading that charge as far as branching into multi-sports and, um, you know, different different concepts around movement. So, you know, if you haven't checked out WideAnglePodium.com, you can go over there and you can look into some of the shows. You can also search Wide Angle Podium on uh, iTunes, which is how I usually find all the shows and sort of see what's new. Um, and so you can just do a search and all of them pop up and all the latest episodes are sort of there in order um, or all just the most recently updated podcast. So you can definitely check that out on iTunes or go over to WideAnglePodium.com and you can look into all the show info and, you know, figure out, you know, do you like there's a mechanic centered show, there's the slow ride podcast, there's cyclocross hairs or CX hairs. Um, and the CX Harris has been on fire. They do a fantastic job. The audio quality is fantastic, and we're we're trying to steal as much info from them as we can. Uh, but they've had a couple good shows. They had uh, Ryan Trebon on talking about uh, the new sort of format of the the series, the new series, professional series for cyclocross this fall in the in the U.S. Uh, they've also had who else have they had on? They've had a lot of mountain bike coverage, so if you're into mountain bikes, that's been really interesting seeing them cover some of the the mountain bike stuff. I wish that was a separate channel called XC Hairs, personally, but that's fine. Yeah, you might have missed a chance, but maybe that's in the plan. Maybe you're spoiling that. So yeah, I have been doing that lately. Uh, anyway, we got to hang out is also another one of my favorites, run by two rad women out of Portland. We actually had them on a show back in May, so if you want to hear what they're all about, you could always check that out before committing to a new podcast. I know how scary that can be. Um, anyway, tons of awesome stuff over at Wide Angle Podium. And if you do become a donor because you want to support shows like ours and our show in particular, 
That would be amazing. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the stat, but donations do earn you a minimum of 50 watts uh, in happiness watts, which I believe are the most important of the watts. Wouldn't you agree as a cycling coach? Yeah, definitely need to be happy. There we go. Uh, you also get a bunch of really cool bonus content. There's a bunch of rad stuff that you get as a donor. So, you know, some content, some stickers, some water bottles, all that fun stuff. And all of your donations just go towards helping Wide Angle Podium keep the keep the lights on, so to speak. They use a ton of resources for... Yeah, things like hosting, things like our mics even. You know, we've been able to really update the mics we do have and there's obviously room to grow and we appreciate all your your listener feedback on that you could be buying us the new mixer so peter's voice will stop annoying you yeah yeah keep those levels yeah keep the levels good anyway uh you can help out by going to wideanglepodium.com slash donate again wideanglepodium.com slash donate and the donor drive is going on through august so you know Please spread the word and get involved. And we are so thankful that you guys listen. We're so thankful to those who already have donated. And we're so thankful to those who are even considering donating now. So again, thanks. And let's get back to the show. So, I mean, on that note, the best part of training. So, like you said, it was partially learning to swim. Uh, For me, it was actually getting back to a training plan that I couldn't really cop out on. And I think both of us have said it was really nice being able to actually do some of our training together. So we got to go to the pool together. We got to do some of our runs together. And even though we didn't do all of our training together, we certainly did so much more than we normally do. Yeah, and I think, again, the post I just put out sort of talked about these different considerations. You know, the travel, time away from family and loved ones. But I think, you know, at some point you're not going to be able to do that with your wife or do with, you know, your best friend or whatever. Um, but I think thinking about what the social atmosphere is like with a goal, because that's, that's important, right? Like it's a big part of the fun is if, you know, if you're just solo, maybe that appeals to you on some level. But I think meeting new people and, you know, we got to these podcasts and I went to hang out with Rick a few, or Rich a few times for swim lessons. Um, you know, and I met a bunch of people at a swim clinic and at the pool we've met people. And so there's just that social element's important for sure. Um Yeah. And I think to me, the best part about training and doing an Ironman is you actually end up with like a crap load of fitness at the end of it. So, I mean, you know, six days out or five days out from doing the Ironman, I, you know, hiked up a mountain that was, you know, 1100 meters vertical in 4k scrambling at the top, ran back down and was totally fine. Like that felt like a really normal day, even though it ended up being, you know, this crazy three hour hike and run at the bottom and all this stuff. So the ability to now be able to be like, oh, yeah, let's go out and do a century or let's go out and run 10 miles or whatever is pretty much cooler than the Ironman itself, personally. Yeah, and I think that's the challenge a lot of people have after the big goal, especially with Ironman, is you have this reason to do, you know, I was going to say the only other thing I had was a double and triple days. Like, I've always really liked that for mountain bike training and usually be like mountain bike in the morning, road in the p.m. or like downhill in the p.m. or something maybe a bit of running or strength sort of as a double or triple day again I like to move as much as I can in the day so I think triathlon really lended itself to a lot of double and triple days not necessarily in a brick like all backed up like you would in an Ironman but I just would go swimming in the morning and then I'd maybe do my main bike workout and then we'd maybe do a run before dinner or something 
uh, that was an idea, sort of Paul Treblecock when he was on the podcast there with Boundless Adventure, his he sort of ver- called that the, a triathlon day, and I really like that concept of just you do all three sports, um, but not necessarily together, but you just like you've gotten used to this idea, like you swim, bike, and run in a day, and it doesn't again, it can be whatever, but I really like doing double and triple days, and I think that it just facilitated like uh, cemented that in my mind that that's something that I need to keep doing because it, it really to me sort of helps me break up the day and keep my myself from getting just crazy yep absolutely so what would you do differently if you were to do it again i think i would it's tough to say you know you can say it now that it's summer but i think you know we were in california and fortunate to be there in the the winter um the open water was really fun and i found i really liked it so i think i would have pushed the limits and gotten in even in Collingwood earlier or something I mean our first open water swim was July 1st yeah so we were pretty tight right like that's what was that a month we did about 10 open water swims in 30 days though we did pretty good with doing that we did we did a lot and we were very fortunate that in Canmore we ended up with a really beautiful uh not a quarry lake but like a it was called quarry lake it was a quarry lake and and it was almost a, a mini version of what we were gonna have in Whistler and the temperature was pretty similar colder even i think so it was a good like test for me just to deal with the cold water and you know not being able to see the bottom and can i like get around yeah sight myself around the pool i think the only other thing is knowing now i wouldn't have been as grumpy when we had like busy lanes at the pool or (laughs) um i would have also like yeah but you can't kick people in the the stroke is just also different like every you know, second time you breathe, you also have to sort of look ahead. And I think in some ways that actually made it easier for me because it sort of mixed up the stroke a bit and, and sort of how you were breathing and it sort of lets you get a big breath in. So I actually found the sighting wasn't that big of a deal, but I wish I was sighting more in the pool. Um, so that would be the only thing I would say is like, bec- I, I is really focus the swimming on the open water. Yeah. Um, even if you're in the pool. Uh, and then the only other thing I wish I did was more uphill and downhill running just so I didn't have to run quite as much just to make myself sore basically that's fair enough Uh, for me I really don't like interval training at all I don't really like doing anything that involves me thinking about it I would so much rather go out and ride 100 miles than do two hours that involves a lot of really focused interval work because I just really enjoy going out and doing endurance so therefore i did not do a lot of the workouts that were technically on the schedule i would just go out and ride two and a half or three hours instead of the hour workout prescribed so i think i probably would have added in a little bit more interval training just to get ready for those hills is there a way because i mean it's great to say you should have done it but how would you like how are you going to correct that in the future not do another iron man Right, but if you're going to do Xterra or something, I think it's even more important. You know, Ironman, really, like, I didn't do any Ironman intervals. Like, I raced my mountain bike, so it sort of happens that way, but... I mean, I think I just need to buckle down and say I'm going to do the intervals. With Ironman, it's really easy to convince yourself that volume is actually, like, more key. So, like, it's better if I get out on this three-hour ride than if I do, like, the hour short workout. So I think with something like Xterra and prepping for that, it's a little bit harder to convince yourself that a three-hour ride is actually going to get you ready for it. It'll get you through it. It won't make you fast. Right. So I think it's just more specific, and I can't really lie to myself. I think, you know, certainly going to hills is going to help 
Um, you know, if you go to the biggest, steepest hill in town, most people are going to have to do some element of an in- interval to get up it. So your route choice definitely can help. I mean, and it's then not r- like I never did that. Riding but. with someone who's fitter is going to make you work harder, too. Um, I will point out the one ride I did with Peter was Thursday before the Iron Man. He didn't mention what it was going to be. And I got third on a bunch of Strava segments in Squamish. And a lot of people ride in Squamish. So... It was, like, upper threshold for me. I held on. Yeah. That's just... I'm just quite arrow. So So arrow. That's... Yeah, it should also be noted that in the Ironman itself, Peter beat me by a solid, like, hour on the bike, but our swim and run times were quite comparable. So I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, I mean, you beat me on the swim. I don't know if anyone's surprised. Just, Just so everybody knows. Um... So interval training. Yeah, I think that that's good. I think the only other thing you could do is like certainly mountain biking is nice for that. Like that's going to be sort of on off and that's going to be out of a lot of triathletes wheelhouse. So sometimes if mountain biking is an option, that might be a a good way to do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you could do the same thing running. If you're a runner who doesn't like to do intervals then just up and down hills. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then the only thing would be group rides, right? Like certainly. I'll be really excited to get back to some group mountain biking. I've really missed it. Okay. Um, What else do we have? We have... Would you do it again? I think we've already said no. Absolutely not. It's really hard to say that, though. Like, honestly, the next day, we probably spent half the day talking about what we would do differently or, like, little tweaks we'd make to training and stuff. But all is just a purely intellectual exercise because, ultimately, I don't really want to do that. I don't think it's healthy to keep doing that year in and year out, to be totally honest. So, no probably would not um and then i guess we just talked about some of the positives of training for iron man but what about the negatives did you experience oh, any you seem pretty negative on i it. was pretty negative on it i'm not gonna lie um for me i think i mean there's just a certain amount of stress that you're putting on your body uh, for us it wasn't really a stress in terms of time spent training although there were a couple days where i had a lot of work and it was a little stressful but for the most part, because we were both doing it, it wasn't, uh, neither of us was resenting the other for the training or anything. No, and I think because it was in the context of a bigger trip and a fun trip, too. That made it a lot easier, for sure. For me, the biggest negative, though, is, like, I am definitely a sweet tooth type person, and training for Ironman made it really easy to earn that extra cookie, if you will. And I mean, you can argue I needed those calories, but it definitely, I definitely ate a lot more cookies and baked goods than I necessarily would consider super healthy. And it's just so easy to rationalize them away when you're training 15 or 20 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a way to do it. Like I don't, I don't think we're trying to discourage people who are Absolutely into not. endurance or, or Ironman and, and such. I am certainly someone who likes longer duration racing. Um, but I think it, it's, I think my main objective with the Ironman was to sort of do it with a very minimal, minimalistic plan, a very targeted plan. I, I don't want to say that I wasn't training. Certainly my bike training is something that offsets a lot of the, the fitness and gives me an advantage. Um, but my run training and swim training were very minimal. Um, and, and I wanted to just see what could be done. Again, I was a complete noob swimmer, and, like, I've run a fair bit, so I have experience, but certainly my body is not super adapted to running. Certainly my ankles and feet were an ongoing sort of just 
nursing, not nursing because I never got injured, but like a respecting of those ankles. And so the plan was minimal because I had to wait for tissues to adapt. So it was interesting from a coaching perspective because I'm working with more and more Ironman and, you know, short, short course try athletes even who want to improve their bike and run. So just sort of going through the whole process was really my main objective for doing it. And you didn't just have your training. You were sort like you were coaching me. So you had kind of another guinea pig too with different sets of experience than you. Yeah. A little bit more run trained, a little more nor- like normalized to swimming. So any, did you notice any like major differences, I guess, in like getting both of us ready other than your mountain bike schedule making yours really difficult? Yeah. I mean, I didn't find the mountain bike. It was only in that I didn't get to ride my mountain bike. So, I mean, definitely I was not as sharp on my mountain bike as I would have liked to been, but I mean, nationals went well and I was ninth. So, I mean, as far as if you had someone who was very good at cycling, we'll call them a, a cyclist. Um, and, and they've done a lot and they have a big endurance base, a big skill base. Um, then the bike isn't going to be an issue. Like they just really have to pace it and make sure that they've learned how to eat on the bike. And so for me, it was actually fairly boring in a lot of ways to get through it because I just had to get to the run so that then I could try and keep my body together through that. Um, So for me in training, like I didn't have to focus on getting super long rides. And I did a bit on the tri bike, but most of my rides were three hour rides where I just kept working on holding the pace and the position um, and just getting used to riding the crazy triathlon bike. Um, Whereas for Molly, there was a lot more build you know what you would expect from a triathlon or marathon program where the volume kept building towards you know you did a 180k ride yeah right and you did a few that are in that 150 sort of plus k ride so the volume and you know that let you practice position and figure out if your seat was going to be okay and you know if the arrow bars were on tight enough and if your shoes were going to get numb and all this stuff whereas I just was a little cavalier with that, but I had enough testing at that sort of goal race pace for three hours to three and a half hours. And my finish time was, what was my finish time? Five hours for the bike. Um, so it really just wasn't, I've done rides that long. So for me, again, it was more the specific skill of riding the aero bike. Uh, and that just were sort of my volume days. Whereas for Molly, it was a more full distance, like go up and like prepare for 180k and then also you're getting more fitness benefit out of that too by the volume training right and that's going to benefit your whole day um so for you there was more of a building of endurance component i also definitely got more running than you but that was also by virtue I'll of the get, fact i'll get to that i don't know oh, why, okay. i don't know why i started with bike but yeah I it's the, it's my favorite uh for the swim on the flip side molly could swim an Ironman distance swim pretty much any day of the week, any time without much training. As she pats herself on the back. So for her, I mean, her she did have swim intervals to do, which she also did not. Definitely do, ignored every single. Did one not of do those. a lot. Occasionally, if I tried to draft her, she would sprint away, or she'd get in a, a contest with someone in the lane beside. But yeah, I'm sort of like a dude with that in the pool. Like no other sport am I that aggressive, but in the pool I get really angry. So for you, I think it was more you went when I went for the most part and and you would just swim for an hour usually pretty steady and so it was just a basic endurance build and I think you would get a little bit of efficiency but for you it was more just making sure shoulders and stuff were ready and just just, you know the tissue from a tissue standpoint and you know a a mental standpoint you were you were ready and you knew you we went through some goggle stuff to me the goggles are a 
big important part of that so you were pretty confident in your goggles but making sure just getting the goggles and testing them and making sure they're in good shape on race day was a big part so sort of that gameplay with the swim whereas for me there was a learning to swim so there was more instruction and going to visit rich or you know getting some clinics you know i did a lot of reading on swimming um, a lot of more like drill focused type stuff certainly at the beginning of workouts you know practicing floating and gliding and everything else so for me there just had to be more attention to that swim and I think I probably got in a few extra swims over you so just my my frequency had to be a little higher um, just to try and learn how to swim basically and get for me just getting comfortable Health IQ is a life insurance company that promotes a health-conscious lifestyle through financial rewards. They've used science and data to get lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people just like you, including those who exercise four times a week through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, whatever consummate athlete lifestyle you're, you're undertaking. Research has shown that people who are highly active through exercise have a 22% lower cancer risk, 50% lower heart risk, and 34% lower risk of early death. Many people who exercise regularly don't realize that they can get a special rate with Health IQ if they qualify through the Health IQ quiz. Health IQ has special rates for cyclists, runners, triathletes, vegans, and other health conscious people, so you can qualify by scoring elite on quizzes for specific lifestyles. Essentially replacing BMI with waist to hip ratio for better predictors of cardiovascular disease when it comes to weightlifters and muscular builds. That's great for me. They also have replaced the LDL-HDL ratio with triglyceride to HDL ratio for low-carb and paleo dieters, which is a better predictor of cholesterol health, and they don't take into account one incidence of family history if you're otherwise healthy. So go over to healthiq.com slash CAPod and, all lowercase and take that quiz um they have a bunch of different quizzes on the website and the website's pretty well designed so it's worth heading over there checking it out and again using that link healthiq.com slash c-a-p-o-d and then for the run molly again had time because she could get sore from the run and she's also pretty naturally uh, good at running but just conditioned for running you run all the time so yeah. my whereas for mountain biking and cycling I'm very conditioned and ready for that Molly was a runner I would classify <gasps> you as more as a runner than a cyclist um, and so that was just really you had the time and the the recovery capacity to get that whereas I had to be very careful with the soreness from running so I only went up to half marathon but my goal over the 8 to 12 months was I started at 5K and then 5 miles and then 10Ks and then 15Ks um, and sort of fit them in days after big bike workouts or day after the race or whatever, sometimes, you know, immediately after the race and just tried to get used to, you know, whatever distance I could get to, which ended up being half marathon, where it wasn't a big deal. Like I could roll, I did a couple half marathons or a few half marathons in July, uh, June, July, and just you know walked away you know maybe a little bit of tightness in the ankles and stuff but no crazy soreness and to me that was just okay I'm just gonna have to you know the first half marathon will be fine no matter what and then it'll just be my body will you know get grumpy and the quads will be sore but I saw him 2k from the finish and he just said everything hurt yeah it was like 
pain, but also like, I just didn't want to rip myself apart. Like my main goal was I wanted to walk away from the finish line under my own power and be functional in the days after. And I think I, I achieved that. Like I came back, got Molly, uh, when she finished and we went back to the car and then, you know, within, I think I was mountain biking on the Tuesday morning. So, yeah. So a day, 36 hours later. But Monday we walked 12,000 steps according to your watch. Yeah. So I think in the grand scheme of things, we did pretty well. You weren't on IVs or anything like that. So I think the only other thing is the amount of sort of prep, transition prep, you know, event knowledge I had to, as a newbie, I had to do a lot of, you know, and Molly was helpful with that, but a lot of reading and I went through all the event tech guide and, you know, just asked a lot of questions you know rich was really helpful in the podcast again so if you are curious about triathlon that'll sort of help you sort of understand things like the transition and i can't remember the other stupid questions i asked but i tried to ask a lot of stupid questions or you know maybe obvious questions to experienced triathletes but things like you know molly helped me with do you put your goggles under or over and you know pros and cons of that uh, under over your swim cap that is um, you know, and we cut the legs on our wetsuit so that they came off a little faster. Uh, we did not put our wetsuits on inside out. Oh, there was a weird dude in the start. The, the people watching was phenomenal. Apologies if, if you're listening, man, who put on your wetsuit as it was inside out, but that made no sense. Yeah, it's hard to explain, but he had like his, his wetsuit was fully inside out and he put the feet, his feet through the foothole. Yeah. And then was standing on top of the inside out wetsuit and then... Like but, slowly, like maneuvering himself into but in, it. But in like amongst sixteen hundred people in their wetsuits, minutes from the start, it was just like the oddest. Like usually, you would have your wetsuit like a pair of pants, basically, and like sort of slide one this leg was in and performance snap it up. art. This was amazing. I thought it was sort of like I said at the time, like it seemed like a Tom Green skit where yeah. he was just going to start like screaming and like writhing on is writhing word writhing on the floor. Yeah. Um, so anyhow. So that's, that's what I would, you know, a very general swim or cyclist versus runner and experienced triathlete versus non-experienced triathlete. That's sort of how we might go about that training. So hopefully that's, that's helpful in some, some sort of standpoint. Um, what else? We talked about what we wouldn't do. Well, I think a couple things. So let's get back to your questions on what advice you would give to say a cyclist who wants to do an Ironman. Where would you go with that? Um, it's somewhat general, but I think what I would say before you go to Ironman, and this is completely hypocritical, um, and I'll explain why I'm a hypocrite, but I, I would be very careful going to Ironman or half Ironman. So our distance, um, triathlons too soon. I think there's a lot of athleticism and a lot of benefit to be had from the short distance stuff. And you're not going to get the same ego boost. People are going to ask you. Uh, to nauseam if you have done an Ironman or when you're going to do your Ironman but I would encourage you to resist that and really try and do the like fast racing where your transition's important and your bike speed skill is important your run coordination and speed is very important your swim you know speed is very important your technique in swimming is very very important um, because if you spend a year, two or three or five or ten on that, you will become such a good athlete. Um, and, and I think you'll get around a lot of the possible negative, you know, wear and tear that that you get. You know, triathlon's cool because it actually mixes up the wear and tear a fair bit. And you always have that option. You know, if your knee is hurting a bit from the run, you can go swim. But the volume is always so, so risky. So risky with the running especially, but even with anything too soon right 
Um, so my advice to someone like a cyclist who wants to try is to just take your road bike um, or your mountain bike and, and just go try a short distance local try. You know, the, the community is typically very, very welcoming and very easy. You know, it's the swim isn't so long that it should really terrify you. Um, you know, our friend Adam tried an Xterra, which is an off-road triathlon, very short. I don't know what it would be equivalent to, like a sprint. Would it be a sprint? No, it's, it's almost an Olympic. It's about the it's same Olympic. So it's like time a, but it was Olympic. like a kilometer swim. So it's a, it's not a, a swim to be ignored. But he, you know, couldn't swim very much at all. And he went and he got through it and then carried on with the, the mountain bike made sense. And then he was a great trail runner. And it was fine. It was a good adventure of a day, right? And so first exposure to triathlon before you invest time and tons of the stuff ton of money that it costs to do an Ironman I would say that so to me I would say you know mountain biker go try Xterra you know short or a road cyclist go and just try you know you even have to do athlons if you want to take the swimming out but go and try that you know especially if you don't have a much of a run base or a swim base yeah and actually on the note of uh the have you done an iron man uh the brave athlete so the book that my book club the athletic bookworms are reading right now i think i read it out loud to you they have a paragraph where uh the author simon marshall is saying you know like when you're a professional short course triathlete and people continually ask you if you do iron man or if you've ever done one and they kind of look at you with pity if you haven't and you're like no i'm actually like one of the world's best. So it is ridiculous and know that, you know, women that have won the gold medal and are world champions get asked if they've done Ironmans. So it's a really stupid question. Anyway, also, I just don't think Ironman needs to be the huge goal that it is for so many people. I think there's so many other really cool things you can do. So if the only reason you want to do one is for the sake of doing one, you may want to rethink your goal and see if there's something that you actually think would be more enjoyable as a goal to set. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm definitely a hypocrite with that, but I think I knew I had one one iron or one, one triathlon, one, one triathlon in, in me. Um, like I say, it was sort of a coaching research project because I have a lot of those long distance triathletes now coming for coaching. Um, you wanted to do it. Yep. So, I mean, I wasn't going to go and just support. Well, that hurts. (laughs) Um, but also I think my only, you know, and when I explain it to people, it sort of makes a little bit more sense. Like I've run a fair bit. So the running also, like I've run full marathons just on my own, like in training, you know, Canadian winter is tough. You know, the transitioning from cycling to running, we used to do and still do all the time, like trainer to running, trainer to running. Um, so a lot of the, the, I think the common sticking points for people just really wasn't that stressful. Like I just had to learn to swim. Um, the running just wasn't that big of a deal. And I think the other part that I always, I don't I always, I guess I turn over in my head how much of an advantage it is, but I think having huge cycling base is just going to help you get through a lot. Yeah, so I think my so other, my other advantage is just having that chronic training load that sort of helps carry through. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess what is like the one piece of advice or wisdom after having done it that you would maybe want to impart onto someone? For me, I'll say... This is someone who's going to do it. Yeah, someone who's going to do it. Like they're signed up. There's no talking them out of it. Not that we would talk you out of it, but they're definitely doing it. I I would just focus on skill. Um, I I wouldn't get so caught up in the the volume of it. and I would certainly start like we did, you know, we were talking about this in July, August of last year. Um, 
then by September, I think we'd pretty much decided. I don't know when we actually registered, but, you know, we started working. I was swimming at that point, too, and that was like a year-long process, you know, and adding little bits and little volume and little milestones along the way. But if you're gonna, if you're not a runner, like it's, I would say tissue, just to keep those tissues healthy and avoid injury, you're gonna need that year. Yeah. Um, so give yourself time. Like it's fine. Pick that scary goal. Like do what I did. That's fine. But make sure that you have the time and that you invest in, you know, some advice. You talk to people who know what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just I wouldn't focus on the volume. I just don't think that the volume, especially for the running, and the swimming, I don't think it's as important as the quality. Agreed. But I think also enjoying that process, like, I don't think we would have enjoyed it as much if, like, it was May and we decided we're just going to do an Ironman. I think it really only feels like you've accomplished this really cool goal if you've actually put in the time and the dedication and, like, you've spent a year, a year and a half, two years. The day was long, but it went by fast. And definitely, like, thinking over the last year, like, it was just, you know, we, we travel a lot, so our training was actually fairly what they would call block-oriented, where we sort of went with whatever we could do. So we were in Europe for a while without bikes, and so it was a run block. And then we were somewhere where there was a pool for a week, and it was, like, four or five swims in a week. Um, we were coaching I, a junior cycling camp, but it was a cycling base. Yeah, and so I think in February, did we we did we even swim? I don't know if we swam in February. We didn't swim it was in very February. wet though, so that was similar. But we might have had to to get out the front door. But you know, I had drills and stuff from both Rich and the Total Immersion people, and also the Joe Frill book uh, for swimming, where you can sort of work on your technique and and sort of some of the concepts of swimming without even you know, and that came from reading and dealing with experts and being a beginner. So. Everyone, everyone's got their own barriers and, and things they have to work around in life. But again, I would t- decrease your emphasis on volume being the, you know, you need to ride 180 or run a marathon and focus on getting better as a runner. You know, be more concerned with your 5K time for those first eight months of the 12 months at least um, and less concerned with getting that volume ramped up. And I would say the same thing for cycling. Just get really good at riding a bike um, and, and look at that speed for an hour and just keep watching. You know, I'm working with a lady working on a half Ironman and I dropped her volume down because it was just, it's too slow. Like we need to go faster um, before we can, we can do that. And, and that's just the nature of it is we want to increase fitness. And sometimes it's not just volume. Volume isn't necessarily the first thing we should do. For sure. And I think for me, the biggest piece of advice is one that I've talked about a bunch, but it's you can't start practicing your fueling too early. Um, The biggest mistake I think I've made and I've seen so many other athletes make is waiting until the day of the race to practice perfect fueling. Uh, Your gut is not going to handle it very well if you haven't been used to it for a long time. You're not going to remember to grab your bottle out every five minutes if you haven't been taking your bottle out every five minutes. you know, in 112 miles of biking, you eat a lot. So being prepared for that, your gut needs to be prepared for that to be able to handle the run without needing to dash for the porta potty, which might make you quicker for like 100 meters, but it's not going to make you quicker over the course of the marathon. Yeah, and I think, I think that's important for sure. I think knowing what's going to be there and practicing it, uh, you know, and, and in those first, if we take a 12, 12 month approach. The first eight weeks, especially if you're not pushing the volume a ton, a lot of people can get away without much fueling, but you need to make sure that that is a priority in those last four four months. And that might just look like on your long run and ride on the weekends, those are your gameplay 
uh, which is what I call just, you know, when you do, you know, you ride your race bike, your race helmet, your race shoes, you know, in the run, you're fueling with the same gels you think you're going to use. And you're finding out that when you run, you can't eat gels because it's very hard to eat when you're running and you have to start ramping that up. So just like you build up your running mileage or speed, you, you know, you can handle one gel in a hour run to start maybe you get to two or you know whatever the number is you just slowly increase it um and that certainly is that the goal of certainly of that last last four four months that specific period yeah and then my only other thing would be a couple months out look at your gear and see what's had a lot of wear and tear and is going to need to be replaced I certainly should have done that with my cycling shoes and gotten a new set like a month or two out. But by the time I realized that my shoes were pretty clapped out, it was so too late to try to break in a new pair ahead of race day. Right. So I raced in pretty old shoes. I did not make that same mistake with my running shoes, thankfully. I managed to get new ones six weeks out and had plenty of time to have them broken in and like just at the right usage stage. So kind of preemptively planning that maybe put a note on your calendar two months out to look over your gear and make the appointments to get your bike looked over you know make sure you have everything and so yeah that's a common thing like clients always you're getting nervous and you hear about this arrow whatever and you want to add it or you know you realize you're doing leadville or you know some sort of steep mountain bike race and you want to add a one up you know add a gear to your your drivetrain and then you forget that you need to lengthen your chain and you break your chain in the race um you know or that wetsuit you bought is really constricting and you have to like stop in the swim because you're you know losing air or whatever um trying to think of other common ones like the the arrow wheels that flat instantly and you just never did training rides on them so i had arrow wheels on loan from uh my teammate john uh mountain bike teammate and he had some arrow wheels that i was going to use but we were just busy and i never got to using them and i was pretty happy with just the stock wheels on my bike and i do like riding stock bikes so i just was like i'm just going to run this bike the way it is the tires have been working you know it, it's not worth risking that you know just for the sake of some arrow wheels you know may, yeah. maybe i lost two minutes in there but it you know i didn't lose 20 trying to change an arrow arrow wheel yeah absolutely you were not the guy on the side of the road just shouting tubular 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 at everyone that passed by yeah so again in those last four months call it three months but that last quarter of your preparation you know in the run into the event you want to make sure that you've you know like molly says there's enough wear left to get you through the event you know if it's a pair of running shoes you really like or you know whatever goggles are a big one so we got new goggles about a month out and used them a bit um rich had commented in the podcast that you could get like the two sets of the same goggles and then like have that fresh set for you know the race week or race day um I didn't do that strictly just from a minimalist, uh, you know, cheap standpoint, maybe. I was going to say, we're not talking about, like, going out and buying, like, a ton of baller gear. We're just saying the staples that you know you like and are going to use. Yeah, it just, you're playing the odds, right? Like, if you know something's worked for the last month, generally it will work, unless you've worn the crap out of your running shoes and you, like, wear through the, 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 you know, the last separates from the, the bottom of the shoe. Or is the last the top bottom of the shoe? Anyway, the the upper at- de- yeah, detaches yeah. from the last. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much my best advice. Yeah. So ultimately, we are both really, really psyched that we did it. We're really, really, really psyched that it's over. And we're not depressed post Ironman, I don't think. No. But what's next? What do you? What is your sort of 
into work mode for the next bit. I am in work mode for the next bit. Do you have goals? What do you, you know, what is the... I do. I have so many goals. Well, my next goal is to start doing some interval work over the fall. I don't know exactly which form, but definitely some more... All all of the forms. All of the forms. More high-intensity work, definitely more strength training. I'm so excited to get back to strength training. Some yoga, I think. Um, Really just kind of seeing what I can do in the fall as far as playing off the fitness that I have and kind of having some fun. But the big goal I think for next year is going to be that Xterra that I've done the last few and see if I can maybe improve on my times because I think I'm slowly but steadily chipping away at them and I think if I make some actual concerted effort to do some hard workouts and fast workouts I might actually be able to put a dent in my time yeah hopefully that there's some more of those pop up locally too maybe we can yeah check out for a sure few. i will not uh likely be doing that but uh i got a mountain bike provincials the world championships of ontario are coming up at the end of the month and so that's i am riding my mountain bike hard periodically and hoping that i can sort of throw down a decent effort for that so that's sort of the main thing there i don't know what i'm going to do in the future but uh there'll be a lot of strength training for sure yeah So, everybody, thank you so much for following along for the past year and being along for the ride. I think this was super fun for us to even do as part of our podcasting and becoming consummate athletes and whatnot. So I think it's been a really good experiment. We're going to have to kind of figure something else out to talk about now. Well, we do have uh, a couple cool episodes coming up. Some a little bit more running too. There's, you know, running is such a wide topic, but we have a couple of those, and then we have a really good strength training uh, one coming up here. Maybe next week we'll have that in. Um, and and I'm really excited for the routine and the concept. Uh, any of the cyclists or runners will like that, but I think just the concept generally. If you're someone who needs to sort of get through a day of, you know, or a longer longer duration type thing i think you know even lasting into a final match in soccer or something like that i think it's gonna be good and as always if you have a suggestion for a guest we're we're definitely in that mode again where we want to get a bunch booked and done so if you have a friend or a idol or enemy that you really think would be great on the show please like enemy yeah well sometimes you respect your enemy for sure they're you, you you know you dislike them for a reason fair enough um Please do fill out. You can email us or tweet at us or uh, just use the form on consummateathlete.com and we'll, we'll do our best to get them on. And by all means, you could get them to contact us too. And just take yourself out as the middleman. Absolutely. Or, or... And if you have any Q&As for, or well, I guess if you have any questions for an upcoming Q&A episode, if anything in today's show has kind of jogged a burning question you had about Ironman or triathlon or crazy endurance events, by all means, again, consummateathlete.com, contact sheet, super easy. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review. And while you're there, consider subscribing. We'd also love to connect over at Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford and Peter is at Peter Glassford. If you have ideas or questions from today's podcast, or you just want to browse some of the show notes and past shows, you can also check us out at consummateathlete.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next time.